Good morning, everybody. Today, Be'ezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Ayin Be'ez and Maseches Yevamos. Happy Lav Be'omer, everyone. The holiest day of the year. It's, a, it's one of those holidays that's really more impactful in Israel. Lav Be'omer. But a lot of people uh, flock to... It's such a holy day. People flock on Israchag of Lav Be'omer to... to uh, they celebrate that even in America. Anyway, we began on Shabbos. People call me Lav Barry. That's a joke. Okay, here we go. A new parak. Ha'arel. Ha'arel. He was not circumcised. What's going on? Well, remember last parak we talked about when you had certain um, non-sanctioned marriages, then that would make even somebody who had been uh, Baskoin her whole life puzzle to eat truma. Remember that? She was, so that extends to this concept of the Arel. The Arel is an interesting case because in the Psukim, this has been going on now for two days since we started Perika Arel, in the Psukim, it says that the Arel is Tameh, essentially, right? It equates Arel with Tumah. That was Machlokas Tanaim, how literal that is. How, and that, we're going to dig into that a little bit today. How literal that is. A Tameh person can't eat Truma, can't eat Kachim. What's the status of the Arel? Our Mishnah already talks about Arel versus Ptuadaka, right? Because Ptuadaka has a different situation than the Arel. Arel wasn't circumcised, and that's an Israkaris, as we know, etc. And uh, the Ptuadaka had an injury of some sort, um, and he has an Isra Bakal, but that injury is not necessarily his fault, so to speak, or his responsibility, as far as, as a single person, he should be able to eat Truma. He's not considered Tame. It's just that if he married somebody, so then that person who married him, because of the Yisrael Bakal, that would be Psul, and then that person, that woman, Neshem Vavdeim, as we say, um, right? Hein Vavdeim Yochlu, but Neshem Lo Yochlu, right? Their, their wives wouldn't be able, and that's because by virtue of the uh, marriage not being uh, sanctioned. Okay, so that's how we get into RL. We get into it because of this question of whether they can eat Truma. Then what happened, as we arrive two lines up from the bottom of Ein, Aleph Ahmed Bez is started talking about Klal Yisrael. An interesting question. The the Korban Pesach in the Midbar would have required purity, but we have uh, sources that Klal Yisrael were Arelim in the Midbar. You may not have known that. So how could they have eaten the Korban Pesach in a state of Arel? Right. That's obviously related to our Mishnah. We're going to get back to the question of the eating of the truma. But where we pick up, two lines up from the bottom of Ein Aleph and Bez, is this question of whether they had a bris milah, Kal Yisrael, in the Midbar. It says the Gemara, the Midbar, my time alo maho. We have the source that they did not have bris milah. But the question is why? Why were they walking around in the, in the Midbar? It's not how we envision them, right? If you look at all the children's book with the illustrations of Klal Yisrael leaving Mitzrayim, they're going through Yamsuf and they all have these Shtraimalach and Gartlach and they're all going, it's hard to imagine that there are Arelim. What's going on? Says the Gemara, two reasons. Ibais Ema Mishum Urcha. This relates back to, and we're not going to get so deep into it, but right with Moshe Rabbeinu, remember that he was held culpable for not being, uh, but for not doing a bris milah on his son, remember? With his wife, Tepar, and that incident before he went on his mission to bring Kalashal out of Mitzrayim. This is a different thing. This is, Kalashal is not held culpable because Chul Shodorcha. Chul Shodorcha means when you're on the way, Sakanas Nefashas. Aye, there were times in the Masaos and the Midbar where they weren't 
traveling? Yeah, but they never knew, right? They, they always have to be ready at the drop of a hat. You know, as soon as the unknown get covered, move, they're on the move. So you never know. You need a few days to recover. They never had advanced warning. Hashem didn't say, you know what? Let's take a brisk meal break. I'll give you guys a week. You know ahead of time and let's do it. For whatever reason, that's not the way it happened. And therefore, it was a Sakonis Nefashos. And for that reason, they were not held responsible. Be by Seima, as we finally arrive at Ayim Bezim Aleph. The second reason, a therapeutic Ruch Tzfonis. Rashi, in the top Rashi and Ayim Bezim Aleph, and then all these subsequent Rashi's coming up, discussing this Ruch Tzfonis, focuses on one aspect. Because the fact of the matter is, Ruch Tzfonis means it's northerly winds. So you say, what is therapeutic about this northerly wind? And the other thing is, it says that there's, there was no northerly wind. And that's the reason why the lack of this therapeutic northerly wind is the reason why they were not obligated to do the bris mila. They weren't expected to do so because of the sakanas nafashas. So Rashi has to explain, top Rashi, See, that's the idea. The first thing about that wind was really nice. It was like a really gentle breeze, not too much, not too cold. But that's not the point. The point is last words, Hamas Orachas. Something about that wind brings about the sunshine. It's the sunshine, the vitamin D, Andrew, that is the therapy here. And the reason Rashi has to say this is because, um, as we'll see, it never really did stop the northerly wind completely. Because we have other sources that say there was around all the time. Telsus brings this out. That really it was always around at some point. So there should have been enough therapy from the wind itself. But as we'll see, also the Ananiya Kavod, uh, another thing that we don't expect, we assume when we're walking in the desert that the Ananiya Kavod covered us, and we don't really focus on the fact that when we were covered, we didn't really see this, this, the, the light of day, like in prison, Lahavdil, right? Uh, we didn't see the light of day for all those 40 years because we were covered by the Ananiya Kavod. Well, it is that very light of day that is healing. Of course, you could ask a lot of kashas on this, right? Hashem could have just created a scenario like built into the Ananda Kavod. If we had everything else, we didn't need to you know, eat or have clothes or anything like that. Why, why is it that we were so susceptible um, to, to, and we didn't have any healing aspect to the Ananda Kavod? Be that as it may, it's the therapeutic sun that wasn't there. So let's see it and breathe inside. Right? So that's a Brisa that says that there wasn't, and then Tosfos says, Maybe there was a little bit. Maybe it just means that um, that it didn't have the same amount of ruch as we'll see. The Gemara asks, why would there not be a ruch tzvonis? My time So the Gemara isn't really sure. It was either a good sign or a bad sign, as we see. Ebais ema. One possibility is mishum dinazufim ayu. In other words, the lack of the ruch was very intentional, and it was a punishment. Punishment for what? Machlokas. Rashi says the egel. Tosva says the meraglim. Um, why, why does Tosa say the Miraglim? Because he says, uh, well, the Egel, uh, they were forgiven. And then there was a Mishkan. I mean, we already did Shuvah for that. Hashem said Salakti. It has to be the Miraglim who are still suffering for today. That's, why does Rashi say the Egel, not the Miraglim? Well, because the statement is Arbaim Shana. And the Egel was before the Miraglim. Be that as it may. Be bais Ema. Or if you say, Delo Nibadur Anane Kavod. Right, that, so one reason is as a punishment. That's why there was no Ruch Tzfonis. The other possibility is that the Anane Akavod didn't, uh, didn't, the wind didn't blow in order so as to not blow away. Because you know what wind does? It blows away clouds. Well, they didn't want the wind to blow away the Anane Akavod. 
Right, so this is where it gets weird, right, Andrew? I mean, Hashem could have made sturdy enough Ananiya Kavod, just like we make a sturdy enough sukkah that represents the Ananiya Kavod, that doesn't, that doesn't blow away in a Ruach Matsuya, in the northerly wind. <laughs> the Ananiya Kavod shouldn't have to blow away either. So this is all, obviously, some sort of uh, depth in here. You have to ask Birnbaum what the Ben Yoyada says about this. But be that as it may, Rashi even here doubles down. He says, it's all about the healing of the sun. Um, and the Nana Kavod did, in fact, block out the sun. Okay. So, and, and that actually answers it a little bit, in a way, because it says, it, it, you know, it's not that the Yonana, obviously Hashem could have created any scenario Hashem wanted to. It's just that, in this particular case, um, there, because the Ananiya Kavod was such a, right, such a notable presence, noticeable presence in the Midbar, so that was sort of prioritized over having the sun, and the sun would have had the healing effect on the mila, and since it wasn't, since it was obscured, they did not do bris mila during all those years. Fine. So, Amar Papa, Well, there's a practical nap coming into today. We have precedence in Klaus on the Midbar that when it was cloudy day and there's no sun, right, or if there's severe Yoma Deshusa, and Yoma Deshusa literally means cloudy, Eva is clouds. And the Shusa would be like severe winds, uh, basically from the south, as opposed to northerly winds. We do not, right, do burst meal on those days because of Sakanas. And furthermore, and also we shouldn't let blood on such days, again, for the same reason. So letting blood and circumcision have similarity, obviously, because both of them are a surgical procedure. And we shouldn't do surgical procedures on cloudy days, Barry. We have to reschedule at Hopkins. Because it's a cloudy day, and uh, we need the healing powers of the sun. Says the Gemara, not so fast. We say, Shomer Pesayim Hashem. Now that it's much more common, that's what Dashu Barabim means. You know, in those days, because it was Sakanas Nefashos, they didn't do surgeries, including bris mila, on those cloudy days. Because again, Sakanas Nefashos obviously trumps everything. But today, we already figured it out. We have Thomas Edison, Hashem sent us. Uh, the electric bulb, and so it's not the same, right? We are able to have brismila, bismana, even on cloudy days. And they apply this pasuk of Shomer Pesayim Hashem. Now, Shomer Pesayim Hashem, you look up at Igros Moshe, the huge, the huge one where he equates, and Choshen Mishpat quoted down here, uh, pigging out and smoking, as aspects of violations of potential violations of Shomer Pesayim Hashem, and he's and he's Mora. He explains uh, why it might be Mutter because it's acceptable. Remember, he wrote in those times. That's very controversial. The modern poskim, Rabari Libowitz, a great Dafiyomi master, went off on this concept of Shomer Pesayim Hashem because it's a very interesting topic. What does it apply to? What it does not apply to? When I was in Rabbi Willigshir, he he ushered skiing. He said, "Do you know anybody who's an avid skier or hasn't broken a limb?" You know, uh, that, that's what he said then. Um, you know, contemporary post-Kim Aser smoking because there's irrefutable evidence now. And they say that Ramosha, when he said at the time in his tshuva that, you know, sometimes, you know, some people get cancer without smoking. Some people smoke and then die from something else. Uh, that's true. But the evidence at some point might rely on statistical, you know, uh, Probability, where now it's almost like a carve of right? Now it's understood by everyone that you're killing yourself 
maybe it would be like that uh, violation. According to most modern poskim, they say, I mean, we're talking about Ovadia Yosef, uh, uh, only a little bit later than, than of Moshe, you know, already and beyond. They, they oser it completely. What does this have to do with Shomer Pesayim Hashem? Well, that's the concept. Shomer Pesayim Hashem means we have a chiyuv, just to, just to sort of fine-tune it a little bit more clearly. We have a chiyuv of Ushmar Semes Naf right? We have to be... So does that mean we can't eat anything that has trans fats or we can't drive a car, right? Everything has some degree of danger. So as we see in our Gemara, that there is also a concept of Shomer Pesayim Hashem, it's supposed to that says that if everyone does it and it's considered sort of an acceptable risk, so then it, they, it takes out the iser of, in other words, normally an activity that has some inherent risk might be a violation of Rishmar Sechem. But if something that everyone has taken on is an acceptable risk, like driving a car, so then we can't say that it's usher to do. That's basically the interplay. Not for now to dig so deep into the sugya, but that's the issue of the sugya. Um, okay, um, so a, l- a lot more to say on that, about that, but we're two dots, eight lines down. And we're going to say a related idea regarding to this 40 years. Um, so, no, but I do, think, I, I do think that there certainly is something in the balance. You know what? Um, there was a lot of talk last year with the danger in Lagba Omer. I don't know if you remember that. And we talked about it then too. Was the way Lagba Omer um, uh, uh, structured in Meiron, was that a violation of Shmar Semes Sechem? You know, in retrospect. And this year, the way they're going to be doing it, uh, is it going to be, right, do we say Shomer Pesayim Hashem or Shomer Semes Nafsho Sechem? And, you know, it was a very, very tremendous tragedy. And may all the Neshamas who were taken there, um, those holy Neshamas should have an Aliyah. So we think, we think about these types of things um, this time of year. From, it's going to be inexorably tied with Lag Bomer um, going forward because you have to, you have to always balance Right, Shomer Pesayim Hashem with Ushmar Semes Nefesh Seichem. Okay. Further on, Tan Rabbanon. Kol Oson Arbaim Shana Shayu Yisrael BeMidbar Lo Hayah Yom Shelo Nosh Vavo Ruach Tzvanis Bechatzi Alayla. See what I mean? We have a conflicting brisa about this Ruach Tzvanis. Right before we said Lo Nosh Vavo Ruach Tzvanis, and now it says there was no day that the, that the, the northern wind didn't blow. But we're talking about midnight. Bechatzi Alayla, Chatzos Layla, Shneimar. You have to kind of tease it out of that pasuk. We know that we know that Makas Bechoros in Mitzrayim was Bachatzia Laila. What, what in the world does that have to do with Ruach Tzafonis? The Gemara asks, "My Talmuda, why is the pasuk? Te- what's the pasuk teaching us?" Hakamash Malan the Ace Rots on Milsahi. So Rashi gets the Zarichos here. Rashi explains at length how we made this um, sort of fee, um, flimsy connection between the fact that there was Makas Bechorus was at midnight with the idea that there was always a Ruch Tzfonis at midnight. What does that have to do with anything? Well, Rashi says, right, because we know that Chatzos HaLayla was Eisratzon, we already saw the Gemara in Brachos Tav Gimomad Beis that David Melech had in midnight alarm, the harp, right, that would always blow from the Ruch Tzfonis and he saw that it was an Eisratzon and he would get up at said Ace Ratzon all the time in order to take advantage of the Ace Ratzon to daven to Hashem. Oh. So if that's true, so it's a simon, as Rashi says, David Right? And it was oriented, Klape Tzafon, 
because he wanted to have the Ruch Tzvonis blow and, and right, play the harp for him. And he would wake up, etc. So we see that it was a very, very significant wind, this midnight northerly wind. So therefore, we want you to understand that even though Klal Yisrael says Rashi towards the end over here, even though Klal Yisrael, if you go according to the first shot of the Gemara, were being punished, let's say, with Tosvos for the Chet Meraglim, or with Rashi for the Chet Egel, and even though we have a Tanaic statement, right, a Brisa saying that the wind didn't blow as a punishment for those 40 years, still, that northerly wind that ceased during the 40 years, it's true that it did, but not ever did it stop blowing at that midnight hour because uh, the Gorano went to Mr. Moment, right? Even when you're down, even if you haven't done what you're supposed to, even when you are requiring to do a lot of tshuva, that door is always open, right? The door to tefillah, the ace rut zone, you should always still take advantage of it. The opening uh, uh, to the way back is always open. Beautiful, right, Andrew? Okay, Yashukoach. Okay, Amar Avuna. Andrew's like, not as beautiful as finishing the daf on time. So let's keep going. Here we go. Amar Ravuna. What did Ravuna say? Dvar Torah as follows. Let's talk, let's get back to the R leading truma. Head back in the game. Here we go. Dvar Torah, we know me to Arisa, Mishuch, Mashuch, Ochel Betruma. What's a Mashuch? Mashuch is stretched. What's stretched? The, uh, the Orla is being stretched back, right? You ever see these Nazi situations or other situations where um, historically, Inquisition times, um, Jews were being killed all over the place and they tried to undo their bris milah. Sometimes they did it to save their lives. It's hard to undo, obviously, a bris milah. But they tried to like pull the force, like what looks like a foreskin back on. Or uh, sometimes they were forced by Romans to do so, as in another incredible Dafyomi coincidence, the, the period of time of Bar Kokhva, as we will see. The Romans tried to... Uh, force everybody to undo their bris milah. Crazy stuff. Well, here's the question. If one does so, can they still eat truma? We know an RL can't. So what I would have said is, of course, Midorai, so you could eat truma. Why? Because you don't undo bris milah, Andrew. How do, you, how do you put that toothpaste back in the tube? <laughs> but the fact, so obviously he's mahul. But Midorabanan says their Gemara, Umidivrayam, Gazru Allah, Mipnation, Nira, RL. Yeah, but there's a gazera. You shouldn't have people walking around. I mean, people are probably wearing clothes, right? But it's a, it's a durabanan. You shouldn't have people walking around looking like an arl eating truma. Um, and therefore, they made such a gazera. So the Gemara says, okay, that, so that's a lacha. Midar raisa, it's mutari truma for this mashuch. And midurabanan, it's also mesve, says the Gemara, mashuch tzarech shimo. Straight up. It says that a mashuch has to have a bris mila. So it sounds like from that price that we're treating him like an RL. And if he really is like an RL, right, because we're making him do a bris mila again, well, that flies in the face of the idea that he's considered, that he's considered already mahu. If he has to have a bris mila again, then maybe he's considered like an RL and never should not be able to eat truma. So it's the Gemara, Yeah, it just means that he needs to have that mila, midurabanan, so it's consistent with the price. Says the Gemara, the ka'ari lay, ma ka'ari lay. Okay, so why do they assume, you know, it's not so pushed when they said that mashach, uh, it needs to have a bris mila, Right? It's not so pasha that that means that he's a full arl. Hatsarach katani. It said it's necessary, which implies it's only midurabanan. Right? So that's 
it's, it's unclear exactly what they mean when they say that you have to have bris milah. Do they mean that you're an oral deraisa, derabonin? What's going on? So says the Gemara, ketari b'seifa. Well, here's the problem. This is why, in other words, the question was, why did we ask a question altogether? When it said tzarech, we should have assumed that it was derabonin. We said, no, we had reason to believe more than you realize that this was a kasha, that this, that really, uh, the fact that he has to have a bris milah is an implication that he's an oral deraisa. Why? Because in the later part of the Brisa, Rabbi Yehuda says, right? And Amrlo, so Rabbi Yehuda there said, don't do the bris milah, because, you know, how many times are you going to pachki with that surgical site? You know, and that's already, you, you could cause some problems, so just leave it alone already. If you had to do it for whatever reason, you're considered already a mole and leave it. So they said to him, there he is, bar kochva ben koziva. So called because of a star, they thought it was going to be the coming of Mashiach. We know this story, famous. And even though they, in that time, the Romans forced them to cover their mila chalila, um, and still, despite having doing that, they were able to still procreate. Shenemar himol yimol, himol yimol is a is a duplication of the word. Right, you're doubling down. So So we say that the pasuk says it multiple times to teach you that even if you have to circumcise yourself hundreds of times, you should do it. For Omer, SBC affair. And it says, right, that you violated my bris in order to include in the psukim, right, that, it, that it's considered, that, that was the Havamin. In other words, what Gemara is saying is that when the Pasuk says, keep doing it as many times as you need to, what the Pasuk is implying is that if for whatever reason it's undone, that undoing might really matter. That might turn you back into an RL and you have to do at Brisihe, and it's considered Brisihe fair. In other words, there is a way to undo the Brismila if you cover it. Whoa, that's a violation. In other words, right, the correlation between having to do multiple bris milas and saying that you violate my bris makes it sound like, oh, if you've did it only once and then went back on it, it you have to do it again, almost with the same right degree of chiyuv as you did in the first place. That's quite a, uh, right, that's quite a reading of, it's a chiddush, it says the Gemara, Maiva Omer, he says, so that's what the Gemara is saying. He's saying, for what? For why would it say the right? Why was it not uh, in the first place a proof that the mashach requires um, the bris milah? So we say, yeah, So must be right in order to assume that it's daraisa, and that's why we needed the brisa to explain that it's really only darabanim. How do you know that himol yimol means that you have to do the bris milah multiple times if you want to do it? Maybe it just means that if you did the bris milah and you left, you know, some, some uh, edges and tzitzin and shreds around it, that it's not considered um, a good bris milah and you have to go back to just finish it up, make it more neat. Tashma is brisi hefer. That is why you have that second puzzle, because brisi hefer much, sounds much more fundamental, right? That second part is teaching you that it's, in fact, the violation of the bris, if you don't do it, it's And that extra piece is to teach you that it's really a chiv dar raisa. So now we say, So so when they said that it's midar raisa, this is a lesson you don't always see. Hashas kra, that's what it means. Like we see it in shas. We see it in Talmud Bavli, right? In shas, that dar raisa he. And so therefore, it sounds like because if you look all over Shas, we have this SBC Hey Fair um, connected to Hamol Yimol 
and, and creates an assumption that having to do, for the mashuk to have to do the bris milah is a chiyav daraisa. Says the Gemara Velohi, but really, in reality, so that's where the Havamina that's Daraisa comes from. But the truth is, Velohi, Midarabanan, it's really a Darabanan. So what is this? What are these Psukim of Amoli Mol and Brisia Fair? Says the Gemara, Ukra, Asmachta Be'alma. Those Psukim are just Asmachtas, but they're not real Chiyuvim. They're an Asmachta to support the Chiyuv Midarabanan, to redo the Brismila when a person is a Mashuch. So that's what's going on here. So we have some sources that make it sound Daraisa. We have some sources that make it sound and that creates the Havamin and Maskana in our Brisa accordingly. But now we have it all straightened out. The Chiv is presumably, at least according to our Gemara here, Midurabanan for the Mashuch. Now, now, now we're going to say, wait a minute. Ravuna is the one, he's from the camp that, that, that's going to say the Mashuch cannot eat Truma. Right? But it's possible that we say that he's totally allowed to eat Truma. Not, so let's see, Mesveh. The Bryce says, Tumtum ain't ochel betruma. A tumtum, right, is one where the, the genitals are concealed completely. We don't know, um, what's going on. So he cannot eat truma. Uh, however, nashav avad of ochlin. But there's not a tume thing, right? This person was born this way. There's no tuma here. And therefore, nashav, we're going to ask Namar, who's marrying a tumtum? We'll see. But nashav avad of ochlin. But the bottom line is that, right, his, his, uh, his peeps, that he, his, the people that, that he rolls with in his household certainly can eat because they didn't do anything wrong. And he's a coin, obviously, talking about a coin. So they can eat truma. However, mashuch v'nolad kshum ma'ol, harei elu ochlin. Person who was nolad ma'ol, we have to get into that. Person who's born without the foreskin. Um, so again, they, does he need to have a, uh, meal or not. We obviously do have tough as dumb. We're going to get into that. But, uh, he's not considered a person that's not the same level as a person who was born with a foreskin and, and remained in Aral. That certainly can't eat truma. So therefore, we're saying now, if somebody had a brismila and then covered it or was born without the foreskin, they can eat truma. And then androgynous ochel bitruma. So here's an interesting contrast. The tumtum can't eat truma. He's the one that has concealed Genitals. Androgynous has both of them. So he's, right, ambiguous over here because there's both male and female parts. So he's ochel betruma. But he can eat truma. Interesting. We'll see why. They ain't ochel bekachim. But he can't eat kachim. Okay. We'll see why. And tumtum ain't ochel lo betruma velo bekachim. Okay. And now we see that, just, we, again, we're emphasizing that tumtum can't eat truma. One would say, well, kalvachomer can't eat kachim. But we're emphasizing again, the androgynous can eat truma. The tumtum cannot. So what's going on? Ketani Mias, at any rate, says the Brisa, Mashuch v'nolad k'shumal arei elu ochlin, right? And this is what we're saying to, to Ravuna, that we said that when he's Mashuch and he's nolad k'shumal, that he can eat it. That's what the Brisa just says. Tiyufta de Ravuna. And that seems to be a tiyufta Ravuna, because why? The is saying when he's Mashuch, he can eat. So why does Ravuna say that a person who's a Mashuch cannot eat? Says the Gemara Tiyufta. Yeah, that, that really is a Tiyufta. It sounds like it's connected to Ravuna. Ravuna says he can't eat. Remember, it's saying in this Brisa categorically that a Mashuch can eat Truma. That's perhaps what I would have said, right? A person had a bris milah. Uh, well, I wouldn't have been able to really issue. I would have said, ask your local Orthodox rabbi, because it sounds like there, Ravuna says there's a Gzair Darabanan. This Brisa perhaps implies that there wasn't even a Gzair Darabanan. So one could argue, maybe the, the Gemara is talking about Daraisa, but it sounds categorically like he's saying, you're a mashuch, go ahead, the rabbi is letting you eat truma. So where's the gzera darabonon? Perhaps whether there was a gzera darabonon altogether is a mechlokas, Rabbi Huna 
and this brisa. Okay, Okay, so now ten lines up from the wide. Let's let's get into that. How are we going to how are we going to sort this out? So Amar Mar Tumtum ain't ochel betruma. Right, he's quoting the brisa. He's saying that when a person has everything concealed, so then he can't eat truma. But his nashim and avadim. Somebody asks nashav latumtum manole. You know that who's who's marrying a tumtum? What's going on? What do you mean his wives? Says the Gemara. the kaddish. Well, first of all, <laughs> there's a couple of questions. One question is 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 Karen Traub reading shiduchim to this tumtum? In who, what is she reading to them? Girls or boys? Like, practically, how does this happen? That's just sort of like, who would marry them? But there's a more fundamental question. Is Kiddushin to a Tumtum considered Kiddushin? Right? Because how do you know that it even works? <laughs> because how do you know what gender this individual is? Says the Gemara. Eli the Kaddish, if you're going to say that he was Makadish or Titania, well, there's a Bryce that says, Tumtum Shikidish, Kiddush of Kiddushin. The Bryce says, the Kiddushin works. How? We'll see. Kaddish, Kiddush of Kiddushin. Um, yeah, so in other words, you're going to say there is such a thing as a wife of a tumtum because if a tumtum does, uh, let's say, say, so the Kiddushin should work. Why? Says the Gemara, wait, no, that's Lechumra. In other words, the Kiddushin, they're not married. We're not sanctioning this marriage and saying, oh, sure, the wife, he's, he's a tumtum that's a coin. And therefore, go eat this uh, truma gezunta hate. That's not how it works. It just means that the tumtum now has to give her a get. It's just lechumra, right? Lakula miamrinan. Are we going to say that it's actually also going to allow for tumtum's makadish and isha that the kedushin is going to work that she can that she can eat truma? That doesn't sound right. Safek ishahu. This tumtum, we don't know what gender he is. Ve'ain isha mekadeshes isha. Very non-progressive. Don't tell Obama. But eight isha mekadeshes isha, right? We don't hold that a kiddushin from woman to woman is chal. Okay, so Amar Abai, so fine. In other words, this idea that that ochlim is really again the statement is that any kenyan that a tumtum has, right? Again, we're not in the PC line right now. We're but this is obviously this gemara is pre Obama. So if a tumtum a tumtum can have a slave, and then that slave would if he's a coin, if the tumtum's a coin, the slave would be able to eat truma. How can a tumtum have a wife is, a, is another question. That's really just Nashim Vavadim probably just thrown in there because Nashim technically can't happen unless, says the Gemara, Amar Abai, Abai figured it out. Abai says, In other words, like this. He can't procreate. The genitals are concealed. But uh, the last toast was here, Anan Beis Amad Aleph on the bottom here. He's, he, he, you could tell that this is, a, that this is that the gender. You could tell that it's a male. Well, it doesn't help you if you can't procreate, except for that it does. If he's a male, then even though he can't procreate, at least he can be Makadish and Isha, because we know what gender he is. We see Simonim. So we say there is a chupa that has to be chupa or bia, right? How is this chupa possible? Says the Gemara. Says Tosos, rather. Yeah, this is not necessarily a chupa sheino or bia. This would be like, maybe one could argue, like, uh, with a need, chupas nida also. It's a temporary thing, potentially, right? Maybe he can get a surgery. We see that he's a male, right? We have evidence because we see that the generals are out there. So we, we just that like, it's physically, he would need to have some sort of surgery in order to enable him to procreate. But that surgery is potentially possible. Ooh, 
Well, if so, so then that's the answer. Okay. So it's a tumtum with respect to procreation, but with respect to everything else, we know that it's a male, and therefore that's the case. That's how the condition, and that's what the Bryce is referring to. So Rav Amar, my nashav, emo. Abaye said that's Beitz of Nikaros. That's the answer. Rav has another, uh, uh, a, uh, another novel idea. Maybe it just means nashav, it's just a nashav of his, his ladies. It doesn't mean his wives. He's a tumtum. He doesn't have wives, but he has a mother. What is mother? How does that help? Says the Gemara, emo? What do you mean? He's a Ben Kahunim. He's a Ben Kohen. His dad's a Kohen. So his mom's about, uh, is married to a Kohen. So why is a Chiddush so she can eat Truma? She, she was able to eat Truma before he was ever born. Says the Gemara, no. You might have thought that, again, remember when we said that a Basi Yisrael marries a Kohen can eat Truma. What if the Kohen dies? She can no longer eat Truma. Unless she had a child. Ah, if she had a child, even if her husband Nebuch dies, she can continue to eat Truma by virtue of her child. What if her child Nebuch was a tumtum? So now the child, you might have thought that since she had a child that can't procreate, maybe he does not enable her to eat Truma. Kamash Malan, he does it, even though he, the child that she had, her, uh, is a tumtum, and her husband died, she could still continue to eat truma. That's what it means. Kamash Malan, she could still continue to eat truma. Fine. Now, last, uh, uh, over here, first in line, Abaye is gonna say like this, Tashma. We'll try to support this. Abaye, remember, he says, what's this Nashav Avadav? It's, we know that he's, that he's a, that he's a male. Abaye said it's his mother. So Tashma. Tumtum ain't ochel obatruma lobakachim. So we have a Bryce that says Tumtum can't eat Truma or Kachim. So Bishlemala Abaye. Abaye says that the reason, right, he says that when we mention Tumtum, he's talking about when we know that he's a male. Okay? So why is he not allowed to eat Truma and Kachim? That's what the Bryce says. Well, I can understand Abaye. Tanaresha RL Vadai, Vakatani Sefar, Suffolk RL. Right? That we have, we're learning something. In the beginning of the Bryce, we say that if he's definitely an RL, right? That kind of, that kind of tumtum certainly cannot eat truma. And then in the end, that's why we repeat it. Remember we repeated the tumtum in the brisa? So we understand according to the rava why we would have two mentions of tumtum. Because one is the kind of tumtum that is really like an RL and therefore he cannot eat truma. And then the chiddush is, right, that even a tumtum whose baits of nikaros, as Abaye describes, he also can't eat truma and that's why the brisa doubled down. But according to Rava, Rava is talking about a tumtum where we don't have any knowledge of what he is in the first place. Why did we double down? So tumtum to sefer lamidli. Why do we have to have the repetition of the halacha of the tumtum? Says the Gemara, my tumtum arel. So he says, well, tumtum in the second case, I read that wrong. My tumtum arel. There you go. That what does it mean? So the first case was talking about. A tumtum, and the second case when we said tumtum, we meant RL. Well, that does not really sound like Bashab Shai. Anyway, the Gemara says, and beyond that, Hashta Suffolk RL Achil. In the in both cases, remember, the Brysa says Tumtum can't eat Truma in the first case, and in the second case it says it again. So once you said in the first case that a Suffolk RL can't eat, Vada RL Achil, we're gonna say, why do we need to double down and say that a full on RL can't eat? It should be uh, understood as a Kavachomer. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. So the Gemara, my time Ka'amar. Matam Kamar. What's going on here is that the Bryce is explaining the rationale, which is to say, Matam Tumtum ain't ochel truma. Why can a Tumtum not eat truma? So in the beginning of the Bryce, uh, we said that a Tumtum can't eat truma. 
And then it says, what's the reason? Because he's potentially, again, if he's a male, he's an RL, right? And therefore he's a Suffolk RL. The RL, you know, and we know that an RL can't eat either Truma or Kachim, as mentioned in the Seifa, and therefore it's the safe, it's the Reisha, it's the Seifa explaining the Reisha. Okay. So now we're back to Ravuna, three lines up from the bottom. What does it mean that a Mashuch uh, can't eat Truma Midura Banan? So we're going to say, Lema Ketanai. Perhaps the statement of Ravuna, because remember, Ravuna got knocked out by the Brisa. Ravuna said that you can't eat Midura Banan. And now we're saying by the Brisa that, that, and then we had a Brisa that says, right, um, that said otherwise. So, so we said that's a Tiyufta. So which is it? So we said maybe that's the Machlokas Tanaim. It says, Mashuch Vegershin Iskarek Shumahul Bekatan Shavar Zmano Ushar Kolani Molim. What's, what's the Hemshech? Tzarech lahatif dam. Okay, so that Brysa says you need to do a toughest dam. So the, the, the Brysa is basically talking about a cases where you have a Gershonis Geyer, right? And he was already circumcised. Or a Katan, uh, obviously, if it's She'enu Bismana, or anybody already had, right, who needs to still need a bris milah for whatever reason, you have to do a bris milah. Even a Mashach has to do a bris milah. So what does this mean? That, right, that may have meant that if a person has two bris milas, then he has to continue, uh, if he has two foreskins, rather, he has to do two, he has to take them both off. Okay. Let's just continue with the bris. So the bris then continues to say, bris milah is only done during the day. And Rabbi Lazar ben Shimon says, no, that that's only on the eighth day that, that, as we turn to our days, on the days. In, only on the eighth day in the El Biyom. Shalobizmano, Nimolon Biyom of Elila. But if you have a brismila, Shalobizmana, so then already, as soon as the baby is healthy enough, let's say, to do it, if it's, let's say, the 11th day, do it right away, even at night. So Gemara says, maybe that's exactly the machlokas here. My love of Kamifiki. What's the machlokas? Demar Savar Moshech Doraisa. Now there's a Tanakama who says, right, that you need to have the brismila during the day, right? That's the machlokas, right? Do you do it during the day or during the day at night? Oh, fascinating. Everybody agrees, Barry, that a bris milah during the bismana is during the day. Like Avram Avinu, right? That's how you do it, during the day. Everybody agrees that. The question is, if what you're doing is like a medical procedure, not a daraisa, actual mitzvah bris milah, but like a medical procedure that you have to just finish it off because you came in, right, with some sort of uh, previous history, so then, then, of course, it doesn't matter when you do it. That we can understand. But if it's a real bris, the araisa, chiyuv, then you should have to do it during the day. Well, we have a machlokas about whether this mashuch needs to have it during the day or not. Maybe that's the machlokas. The machlokas is, is the chiyuv the araisa or the durbanan, as Rav Huna says. Ah, oh. right? So there's mashuch the araisa. That's the Tanakama. Umar Sava and Rav Lazar Shimon, who says that you could do it day or night when it's the Shalobah's mana, and then that's, the fact that that has anything to do with the mashuch is talking that it's Durabanan. So the Gemara, do you really think that's the machlokas? Right? Who says that, you know, don't forget, mashuch is the only, is not the only category here. We also have a katan shavar's mano. You're going to say that a bris mila on a boy who, had, who was jaundiced and now is getting a bris mila on the 10th day, you're going to say that's a Durabanan? Of course not. That, that, that's counterintuitive. We always know that, that we assume that that's Duraisa. So that can't be. No, no, no. Everybody holds that the mashuch is derabanan. So what's going on here? What's the equivalence in the in the brisa? The katan shavar is mano And everyone agrees that the katan shavar is mano 
So therefore, why are they grouped in the same case in the Brisa? Like this, because the Machlok is, is a totally about a different thing. In other words, the issue was never one of Daraisa versus Darabanan. It was just an issue of even a bris miller Daraisa, or whether it be Daraisa or Darabanan, how do we learn the Pasuk of Uvayom Hashmini? Timo Basar Lazchem, right? How do we, so the, the Pasuk says Uvayom. Don't forget, we had a discussion about this. Rabbi Yochanan, the great Amora, was sitting and learning this. And Neusar Bismano. And he was learning in the sugya of Neusar. Over there by Nosar, right, he was talking about when it has to be burnt. Right, that's, so, Eino Nisar Bayom. So there he learned that you only burn it um, during the day. Right, again, because you have to have Midar Raisa, when you bring a Korban Shlamim, has to be eaten over two days and one night. Okay? So it has to be eaten that day. Let's say you shechted it on Sunday. You have to eat it, <coughs> right? At some point that day, Sunday night, and then Monday during the day. But, but at that point, by Monday night already, it's considered nicer. You can't eat it. And yet, what does the Pasuk say? The nicer has to be burned when? On the third day. Why during the day? Why does it say day? Uh, uh, so he says... Um, right, and we see with regards to Nisar, there's a time you're supposed to burn it. But if you did not burn it on the third day, then at that point you burn it day or night. Ah, so they said, and Lazar asked him, huh. but by Brismila, you're supposed to do it only by day. So you remember this, Machlokas? In other words, Rabbi Lazar Shimon held. Right, that it doesn't have to be done during the day. He said it could be done day and night. Tanakama said it could be. It only can be done during the day. So maybe it's relevant to this nicer. Just like a brismila shalobizmana can be done right. Um, just like a nicer shalobizmana could be burned during the night. Maybe a brismila shalobizmana could be performed at night as well. Talmud law. So we say Right. So we say like so. So that's what we said. Again, the Esri Rabbi Lazar Larbi Yochanan. Ainly El Animal Shmilish Ainimal El Biyom. We have the bris mila, and we say that, that should be done during the day. So Minayla Rabbis, how do we know that if it's day nine, day ten, day eleven, the Shnemasar, how do we know that that too is only done by day? Talmud Omar Uvayom. The extra Uvayom teaches you that whenever you do bris mila, even Shalobizman, it has to be done during the day. I but feel the low darsh vav. Let's say you didn't weren't darsh the vav of Ubayom. Right? So Vav Vehei Darish. In Noisar, by the way, it says Veha Noisar. Uvayom is just one Vav. In, by Noisar, it says Veha Noisar. So that Veha Noisar, that should certainly agree. So what happens is that Rabbi Lazar, Ben Pedas, they're all going to agree with Yochanan that Noisar for sure can only be done during the day. So therefore, it can't be compared. So therefore, you could still have a Machlokas by Brismila where there has to be done during the day, even though there is no such Machlokas by Noisar. So Ishtik. This was the discussion that Rabbi Yochanan had. And Basar de Nafak and Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan was very, very impressed. He was silent and he was dumbfounded, his mouth gaping wide open, impressed by this, by this drasha. So then after Rabbi Lazar left, Amalei Rabbi Yochanan Larish Lakish. So Rabbi Yochanan's buddy was who? Rish Lakish was Chavrusa, right? And he said to him, Did you see that Rabbi Lazar ben Padas? He was his Talmud. He was Rabbi Yochanan's Talmud. Rabbi Yochanan was like the Gadol Ador. And he couldn't believe how erudite and astute his Talmud was. That he was able to tease out this drasha and understand the difference between Naisar and Brismila. Wow. 
I mean, no offense, but that wasn't his own Torah. He didn't figure that on his own. This is the Brisa. And Rav Yochanan asked him, what do you mean? It's a Brisa? I never heard of this Brisa. So Rish Lakish said, Look at the Torah's Kahanim. The Torah's Kahanim has this Brisa. Rabbi Yochanan said, wow. The Torah's Kahanim has this Brisa, and I, Rabbi Yochanan, missed it. So what do you do? Garano, it's a Muslim moment. Nafak Tanya Bislasa Yome. He picked up the Torah's Kahanim and didn't put it down for three days, pulled three all-nighters in a row, and read the whole thing, and then Vesavar Bislasa Yarche, and then spent three months digging deeper and deeper and deeper, Hadron Allah a thousand times, till he got it down. Never going to catch him on a Torah's Kahanim again. I guarantee you that, Andrew. Okay. So Amar Rabbi Lazar, R.L. Shehiza. Let's get back to this. Now, we said an R.L. with Truma. Now, what about an R.L. with regards to Mechatas? That's what he's a, right? He's a, is the sprinkling of the Mechatas. Can an R.L. perform it? Well, he can, says Rabbi Elazar. Why? Because he's like a Tvul Yom. As we learned in the beginning of Sechas Yuma. Remember we said he can't eat Truma, but he certainly can. Don't, remember the, 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 the Tzedukim didn't hold like this. So the Rabbanan purposely turned this, uh, right, this Konshasar Fetapara into a Tvul Yom to demonstrate that he can do the Hazah. Whoa. We say, well, you can't compare. Tvul Yom can eat Maiser. Shani, right? That can't be said of an RL, certainly. It's also for an RLT in Maisa Shani. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. We're not talking about eating. We're just saying, can you touch it? Can you touch, right, the Yazah? Okay. So we say like this, right, the Efer Parah. Umat Vil Yom Shasar Bidigir, the Truma, Mutter Bipara, and it's Vil Yom, can't touch the Truma. But, because he's going to make a tummy, but he can eat, but he can touch the, right, uh, be part, participate in the, right, uh, Paraduma. The Afer Paraduma, so Arl Shemotabinagia, certainly an Arl, even though he can't eat um, the Truma, he certainly can touch it, he's not considered Tame. So certainly he should be able to right, do the Hazah. So we say, and we also have a support from Bryce, Tanya Machi, Arl Shehiza, Hazah Sokshera. Right? An Arl that is sprinkles, that's a Kasher Hazah. Umaisa Hayav, Echshir, Chacham, Hazah Sokshera. in fact, were allowed his Hazah. And we say, um, and then we have a Bryce, however, that says, let's see. We have a couple of minutes. Meisvei tumtum shekidesh. Let's say tumtum was mekadesh the mechatas. Um, so as Rashi says, sheir of efer b'mayim. He's the one that did that mixed it. He mixed the uh, crystallite over there. Kiddusho uh, pasul. So we say that is pasul. Well, if a tumtum can't do it, so then why? How can an aral do it? Aral pasul lekadesh. So, and we say in that b'risa, that's certainly an aral is pasul lekadesh. V'androgenis shekidesh kiddusho kasher. So an aral can't mix the meipara. The androgynous can. Rebuda Omer, androgynous, af, androgynous, shakidish, kiddush of psulim. That even an androgynous cannot. Because we know that a woman, androgynous is ambiguous and we don't know what that is, non binary. And therefore, uh, and since one of those possibilities is a woman, we know the woman can't do it, so we don't say that he can mix the afar part. Katani Mir. Anyways, Aral Suffolk, Aral Puzzle Mikadish. Well, everybody agrees that an Aral Suffolk, Aral can't do it. So what gives? Can an Aral mix the May Par or or not? Well, as we know famously, Rabbi Akiva equated an Aral with a Tame, and therefore this price that we just quoted is a, a reflection of that, and there, certainly a Tame cannot mix the Paraduma. The Tanya, Rabbi Akiva, Omer, Ish, Ish, Larobis, Aral. He learns it from the Aron, right? Ish, who is a Mitzorah, a Zav, can't eat from Truma, and therefore why does it say Ish, Ish twice? Because Rabbi Akiva holds Larabas as Ha Aral. So we'll pick up tomorrow where Rava 
with Amar Rava to challenge that. Incidentally, that's where Rabari Leibowitz picked up. So I feel pretty good about myself. Uh, about 10 lines up from the bottom of Ein Beis, Amar Beis.